This week's episode is made possible by our friends at Independent Bank. You can learn more about them at i-bankonline.com. Good morning, Memphis, and happy day after MLK Day. You are listening to Meanwhile in Memphis on WYXR Radio 91.7 FM. Um, For those who don't know, Martin Luther King Jr.'s actual birthday is on January 15th, but MLK Day is always observed on the third Monday of January each year. In honor of Dr. King's birthday, I wanted to share a widely circulated quote of his to start our episode today, dear listener. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. This is from a letter from Birmingham, Alabama jail, April 16th, 1963. This quote in particular reminds me that we're all integral threads in the fabric of our communities. Activating on your love of people and our city is critical to move any city, Memphis included, forward. So today I wanted to remind each of you that you have a unique role to play, one that only you can accomplish. And I, for one, can't wait to see what our city becomes because of your unique talents. But back to business for me, dear listener. This is Meanwhile in Memphis on WYXR, brought to you by New Memphis. We are a local leadership development nonprofit whose mission is to develop, activate, and retain talent to our wonderful city of Memphis. One such way that we do this is on this radio show where our goal is to educate the community on innovations, opportunities, and individuals making a difference. This is a friendly reminder that TEDx Memphis 2023 is just a few short weeks away, dear listener. This is where Aaron would say, pew, 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 pew. The 2023 TEDx Memphis will be held at Crosstown Theater on February 11th. The theme is Truth or Dare, and you can head over to newmemphis.org or tedx-memphis.com for more information, including our list of our generous sponsors who help us put on this fabulous event. I would ask that if you like what you hear every week on this radio show and podcast, that you give us a five-star rating, write us a glowing review wherever you listen to your podcast, and most importantly, subscribe to never miss an episode. On that same note, do you know someone who has a compelling story to share about how they're transforming the city of Memphis? Send us an email at info at newmemphis.org. We welcome feedback and reviews there as well. I am very excited about our guest today, dear listener, because she will also be joining us at TEDx in a few short weeks. Jennifer Balink is a creative strategist, relationship coach, Gotham Seven Principles leader, mom of two college-age children, and the executive director at Kindred Place. She joined Kindred Place in 2016, bringing with her an eclectic mix of public and private sector experience that ranged from telecom to teaching middle school art, from community blood banking to private event catering. In partnership with Mayor A.C. Wharton, she co-founded Shelby County Books from Birth, the largest local imagination library program, and assisted in establishing the Memphis Shelby County Office of Children and Youth. She's served on local boards, including the Memphis Child Advocacy Center, Shelby County Humane Society, and a faith-based child care initiative. She was a communications lead in the campaign that helped to bring the one and only Grizzlies to Memphis, and she is a Memphis Business Journal Top 40 Under 40 alum. 
She's amazing, and her passion for art and children is palpable, dear listener, even in my frigid January podcast studio. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Jennifer Balink, the executive director at Kindred Place. Welcome, Jennifer, to our frigid studio this morning. How are you doing? I'm awesome, Anna. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I'm really excited. And I'm going to get to chat with you even more in the next coming weeks as you are a 2023 TEDx Memphis speaker. Can't so wait. I'm so excited. Yeah. Um, so we're not going to give away all the goods, dear listener. You're going to have to purchase your ticket just like everybody else and come on out to Crosstown Theater on February 11th to hear the wonderful Jennifer Balink. But today... We're going to get a little inside information on Jennifer's story and the kindred place. So I'm super excited about it. So would you like to get started by kind of a softball question? Will you tell us a little bit about yourself? Oh, is that a softball question? That's what everybody always says. I feel like it kind of is. I feel like everybody has like a little elevator pitch kind of like the, the little quick version of, you know, uh, after a long time working in communications, I would tell you almost nobody has worked on their own elevator pitch for like who they are as people. Yes. People I feel like, like that's like a typical icebreaker question. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, so you have to like go around and like describe prepared. it. And, yeah. Like, describe yourself. I and I don't want to talk about that. People say, I don't know what to say. Well, I will tell you uh, that I am a native Memphian as am I, who did not intend to come back to Memphis. And I'm so excited about what I have seen since I have come back. I mean, Memphis is a kind of place that just becomes part of your being. So I am a proud Memphian and have wandered all over the world and done a number of things and have been glad to be back here as an artist, a writer, a mom, a communications professional, a friend, a neighbor, a dog walker, all the things. So I, uh, I love being here and being able to explore the world right from Memphis. I love it. We are similar in many ways. A native Memphian did not plan to come back, but love Memphis and um, but there's no place I'd rather be. It's, it, it's the epicenter of the world. Really I, I mean, I, I feel that way sometimes. Um, Fast Company once wrote that Memphis was the capital of the real world, and they were talking about goods and services and FedEx and logistics. But I think it's a metaphor in so many ways for all the things that have happened here, including our celebration of Dr. King um, and and all of the growth and learning and challenge that's come out of our history. It, this is this is a place where real things happen. I, I, I would agree with that. Um, so the things that you, I think, glossed over a little bit were your artist uh, background as well as your teaching, right? Yeah. I, so my first job out of college, I have a degree in art history with an emphasis on visual art. I was going to be an artist when I left college. Yes. I taught art and photography in Boston right after college and loved teaching. And I had a mentor teacher who said to me, what you really need to do is go explore and learn about what you want to do. And then if teaching is really what you want to do, you can come back to it. But go figure out if this is really where you want to be. And I was like, huh, I wonder what that could be like. Good advice. Yeah. It was good advice. So I taught I taught art and photography and then came back to Memphis for a summer that turned into a career. I love it. 
Memphis has a way of kind of keeping yeah, you. The big magnet, isn't it? Yes, yeah. it is. Yeah. So wh- how long have you been back in Memphis? I came back in 1999 Ooh. to fix up a house. My husband, who's from Santa Fe, and I met in Wyoming. We were going to fix up a house that I owned and had as a rental property and then go straight back out to the mountains out west. And we are still here, you know, almost 24 years later. I love it to start the new millennium. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a good way to yeah, start we it. Had, yeah. You know, we fixed up a house and then um, family stuff happened and then we started a family. And once you have that kind of connection to a place with kids and neighbors and people that you grow up with in that way, it really holds on to you. It does. I feel like the longer I'm here, the deeper my roots get. Yeah. And I love that about it. Me too. It's, kudzu, it's the kudzu place. It is. <laughs> Absolutely. So many great metaphors for it. Um, so you have also glossed over some other really large things, um, in my opinion, as a mother of a four-year-old. Um, so you, along in partnership with Mayor A.C. Wharton, co-founded the Shelby County Books from Birth. Yeah. The largest local imagination library program assisted establishing Memphis Shelby County Office of Children and Youth. So we are big imagination library fans in my house. I'm so glad to hear that. Yes. In fact, I dressed my daughter up as Dolly Parton uh, for a community helper day. And so, and somebody was like, oh, and I was like, no, she is a community helper, like literacy, um, medicine, like any philanthropy, like in the state of Tennessee, Dolly's got it. So. And this is the thing she's most proud of, you know, creating the Imagination Library. Man, we could talk an hour about Imagination Library. Um, the There's a group of folks, I'll make this a short story, a group of folks wanted to bring the Imagination Library to Memphis and couldn't figure out how to do it. Shelby County has more children under five than any other county in Tennessee. We were big and sprawling and nobody could quite figure it out. And when Governor Bredesen established the Governor's Books from Birth Foundation in Tennessee was going to pay half for any Tennessee county that would start a program, people were like, yeah, well, let's do it. How are we going to do it? What neighborhood? What school? They're like, no. And their requirement was that it be for every child in Shelby County from the start. And there's a point that I'm telling you this story that actually connects to something else. I'm so, here for it. I'm, I'm here. <laughs> so we were like, how are we going to do this? And the true story, we were sitting in Mayor Wharton's office and the guy from the Governor's Books from Birth Foundation was in town sitting at this table. And he said, Governor's Books from Birth guy said, I think you all are overthinking this. You're not going to have all the kids enrolled on the first day. You just need to get started. And so Mayor Wharton opened his calendar without looking at it. He's like looking straight across the table, opens his calendar book, drops his finger, looks down, looks at me and says, June 12th, Jennifer, figure it out. It's like, okay, yeah, check. Uh, So it (laughs) was, was, it was March. Okay, yes. I was and about to say, where were we? Were we yeah, in like we, Memorial Day? We, <laughs> we were March, and, okay. uh, and I had until June. And the I called Gid Smith at the Community Foundation and said, I, I need help figuring something out quickly. So I did a lot of backs and forth, back and forth about the community advocates who were instrumental in pulling together all the pieces, funding, a board. I, you know, it was really a group effort for how we got it up and running. So we, we got it up and running, launched June 12th, had a you know an enrollment um, 
process, and we shipped our first books the week after my 40th birthday. Happy birthday to you. Thank you. In August of 2005. And it was, it's one of the proudest things of my whole life. And what I love about the Imagination Library is that it's for everybody. So we, one of our struggles was how are we going to raise money and um, for your listeners, the Imagination Library, Books from Birth, housed at Porter Leith, is a thriving place that you too can participate in and um, and support, which I would encourage everybody to, to learn about and do. The program is for everybody, right? So one of the ideas is that it's about literacy, and it's also about coming together as a community. Yes. So my one of my children was in fifth grade, and we were having some teacher event that both my kids went to Gramwood and like we're building the volcanoes or something. And <laughs> the, the teacher was given instructions and he had, he was losing his voice. He was getting laryngitis. And one of the kids in the back of the room said, rooster can't cockadoodle do. And somebody else said, Hey, I've got that book. And my child said, I've got that book too. And so these kids who had not known one another when they were little, who were in class together, are talking about this book that they got through the Imagination Library, and they start making the sounds and telling the story. And it's everything that I hoped that would be when the idea came to Memphis. So I hope it'll be here forever. I hope so, too. It is a remarkable program, and we are happy beneficiaries of it and have been for four years. Um, And we really, we have an astonishing collection, which we will probably donate many of to different um, little libraries and different things like that around little um, donation bins. But it's been amazing. And I also thank it because I don't have to read the same book over and over. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it provides uh, me variety, uh, which you, I also you appreciate. You may have the experience that there is a one particular yes, there favorite. there will always be. Yeah. There will, and it's always the longest book I've uh, found. Oh, ours was Goodnight Gorilla. Yeah, we read Goodnight Gorilla over and over and over and over I was again. about to say, ours so, is Enemy Pie right now, ooh. but we also really like um, Milo's Hat Trick, which actually, yeah, it came in the mail and it's it's really cute. So yes, Imagination Library, I could not let that piece of your bio go without a discussion about it because we are true fans in my house. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how you got to be executive director at the Kindred Place? I can tell you a little bit about it. It's uh, it's sort of a leap of faith story, honestly. Okay. And it connects back to the Imagination Library. I mean, when so when my kids were little, uh, and I was working in early childhood policy and and working with community advocates on access to affordable early care and education and literacy supports and uh, medical homes and all, all the policy things that go into protecting children and and giving them a healthy place to thrive. I learned so much about being a parent in ways that I didn't really expect. I didn't, you know, kids don't come with instructions. And so you're just figuring it out on the fly and, and knowing where to access help and who to talk to um, is sometimes a mystery. So I worked at that time early in my career with a collaborative called Joining Hands. And it was the Child Advocacy Center and CASA, the Court Appointed Special Advocates, and the organization that is now known as Kindred Place. And the executive directors wanted to 
have a public awareness campaign with one simple message, which is child safety is an adult responsibility, which is such a powerful statement. So I carried that forward. I was on the board of the Child Advocacy Center, um, had, had done a lot of that work. And then I shifted completely and spent nine years working at the Community Blood Center and doing really different work. And I tell people raising raising money is easier than raising blood donors. It's, it, I could it, see that, honestly. It, it, honestly. So uh, different, different kind of philanthropic support. We went through a corporate merger. I wasn't really sure what the structure was going to be there and how things were changing rapidly. And... I called a friend to say, I think it might be time for me to switch fields. And she said, I know exactly what you should do. And and this was it. And so I, I called, they posted a, the position at Kindred Place for the executive director, called, interviewed, and... You know, sometimes things just sort of fall into place The and you know they're right. Yeah. It sounds kind of woo-woo, but, uh, <laughs> no. but I mean, it's real. Yeah. Uh, so things marched along and I started at Kindred Place in 2016. It's been it's been a wild six and I have almost seven years now um, pulling together a group of people who care about children and families and relationships in Memphis. I love it. So... In the off chance that our listeners have not heard of what the Kindred Place is or does, could you share a little bit about that also? And I would imagine for anybody who might be thinking, am I the only one who's not, who doesn't know this? It, it was, I call us the best kept secret uh, in, in family relationships in Memphis. So maybe you've seen our building. We're on Union Avenue across the street from the Fresh Market next door to Playhouse on the Square. Kindred Place is a resource for families who want to strengthen their relationships with their family members, their people around them and themselves. So we have clinicians, we have counselors who yes. who lead talk therapy sessions, counselors, coaches, and classes that are led by counselors and coaches uh, on family relationships. So we have parenting classes, co-parenting classes for people who are no longer in a partnership or marriage, but have children together. Yes. Incredibly important. Incredibly important. We have longer work around that. And we have classes like managing strong emotions and anger for folks who are learning how to regulate. We see children and adults and whole families. So counseling, coaching classes for families. I like that it has the C's. That's easy to... Yeah, I like that. It's almost like somebody in marketing was working on that. I know, right? It's almost it's like almost that. It's almost like somebody who had a strong career in communications thought almost, about it. yeah. Almost like that. Um, well, that's wonderful. I'm, I'm excited to hear more about what makes you passionate about that and the topic. Gosh, Um what doesn't, I guess. <laughs> it's exactly the thought that was going through my head. Sort of what's sort of what's not to be passionate about in this. I was thinking about, you know, one of the things that you are so inf- insightful about is is asking what makes something special and the most, you know, important work. I hope everybody doing work in Memphis thinks their work is the most important work that could ever be done because that's what passion is to me. If you're really passionate about something, then you believe that you're work matters at the highest level. So I, I do feel that way about Kindred Place. I'm, I'm biased about our work. I, <laughs> rightfully so. Rightfully so. Ev- everything in my long career and life experience supports this. what I'm about to say. 
Ready? Ready. Relationships are it. Truly. Everything is founded on a relationship. Everything. And so our ability to relate to other people by being in relationship, in alignment with ourselves is it's where it's at. It's it's behind the confidence to be an entrepreneur and start a business, the confidence to reboot your life after an experience that is not what you would have wanted, after anything that happens, forward toward anything that happens. When you have a job, when you have a neighborhood, when you have a roommate, everything is about relationship. And those skills to engage with other people, start really early before you're even able to use words. You know, little children are watching the adults around them connect with other people and they take their cues about safety and expression and being interrelated from the world around them. So I, I believe relationships are, are it. And that's our work at Kindred Place. We help people build strong relationships first with themselves and then with other people, whether that's their children, their partners, their colleagues at work, their neighbors uh, or strangers they meet just in daily life. I would agree that, I mean, truly, it really is. It all comes back to the foundation of things as relationships and having strong relationships. But that also lends itself to all the ways that relationships can be complicated and tricky. All relationships. Uh, well, it's just hard to be in relationship with another person. Yes. Because you, the things that, that each of us wants to do or things that are important for any one person in the moment may not be the same things that are important to somebody else. So if it's a person that you care about, particularly if it's someone you have chosen to be in partnership with or, or children who are looking to you for support and nurturing and care, regulating yourself and paying attention to that relationship at the same time is hard and, and in some moments, it's harder than others. And so the, the awesome news is that we, over the last 20, 25 years in particular, have so much research and so much understanding about how brains work and what you know, hormone flooding is like and, and things that you can do to regulate those stress hormones that are scientifically backed, even though they sound like they... You know, they don't, they sound different Crazy. from that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, deep breathing, you know, taking three cleansing breaths is a real thing that helps you physiologically to calm down in the moment. And so when we talk about relationship skills, it's not just words or language or communications. A lot of it is getting control of your own body and the thoughts that are rolling around in your head that you sometimes aren't sure how to express with others. This proves that I'm the mother of a young child right now, because as you were talking about the cleansing breaths, all I could think about was Daniel Tiger and how he says yes. that when you feel so mad that you want to roar, take yes. a deep breath and count to four. And it, I was literally like, I was like, wow, that that's like scientific. Thank you, Daniel Tiger, for like helping my four-year-old regulate her anger in yeah. a way that's like, take a moment because she sings it all the time. It. It's a, it's amazing the magical power of doing that simple thing. Um, the the one of the things that I did during the so during the pandemic because as my kids would tell you I'm just completely nerdy. I uh, <laughs> I used some of the extra time for training and skill building. So I 
went into training to be a Gottman leader for the Gottman Seven Principles work. And for, for listeners who aren't familiar with the Gottmans, they've got a new book out, so they're sort of in the news again. But John and Julie Gottman have spent decades researching relationships and what supports healthy relationships. And um, so in that training, learning some of the science behind things like deep breaths and emotional flooding, uh, here here's a tip you can use. Ooh. When you feel, when a person feels completely overwhelmed, you're in an argument, you're in a tense situation, you just like you reach your level of, I, I, I don't even know how to respond here, and you feel frozen. It takes your body 20 minutes for that stress hormone flood to dissipate. And so when you reach that point, truly, the most productive thing you can do is something else. You can go for a walk, you can play a game, you can do, you know, when you are in a a high conflict situation or high intensity situation with another person and you reach that feeling of being flooded, taking a break is the ticket. And, and it's, you know, I think sometimes people think about that as in a, like, am I avoiding continuing? I got to motor through, I got to push through, I got to get on top of this thing that is this big hurdle. And, And sometimes the right answer from your own body is to just back off and relax and get yourself back in regulation to come back to what it is you really need to do with the other person. So physiologically, when you're flooded with stress hormones, it takes you 20 minutes for those stress hormones to to kind of yeah, dissolve. to dissolve, which because I am me, I will also say that there is a Bluey episode that where mom needs 20 minutes. Mom does need 20 mom minutes. Mom needs just 20 minutes. So what's so great about knowing this is that when it, it's something that you can use. So it you is. can say, I need 20 minutes to do, to go for a walk, to do something because I want to get through this with you. Yes. I want us to work on this and I can't do it right now from where I am. And so being able to say that is a kind of power for It is. It, it kind of it does help you feel like you're not failing in that way of like why well, couldn't motor through it? I couldn't right. you know, just power on. I couldn't, you know, it makes that is worse almost to just to feel that down on yourself like you failed in this emotional in- exchange that is needed for that relationship. So to know that there is power in taking that time out. And to feel that power. And so that's a great example of things that not everybody knows. And so learning how to engage with other people and to take control of yourself, those are skill building things that you can do with a coach or a therapist or somebody who has some training to just help you. And I think one of the th- the great things about the pandemic and one of the things we've talked about at Kindred Place over the last two or three years is that mental health and mental well-being are now not so much of a taboo. I mean, people are talking about this and you've got, you know, TikTok moms talking about parenting and you've got a lot of great therapists posting daily on Instagram and, and sharing a lot of information. So I think it's less... Of a, there's less of a stigma with it than there used to be. Yeah, I would agree. And accessing help and support that way, it doesn't mean forever. You know, it might be something that's just a one-time thing. You just need a few little tools in your toolbox, as yeah. you say. 
No, absolutely. I, I would concur with all of that. Um, for those who have just tuned in and are just now joining us, we are chatting with Jennifer Ballink of Kindred Place, and she is also an upcoming 2023 TEDx Memphis speaker on February 11th, which we are super excited about. Um, I'm curious in what ways you mentioned when your children were younger that you worked a lot in education policy and youth policy and stuff like that. So how did that, how has all of your experience, whether it be from your communications background to your artist background to your passion for literacy kind of all come together in this role at Kindred Place? It's such a great question. And it's one of the, you know, they'll tie two things together. I was I was a participant in a group art show a few years ago, and I work in different media. So I've done photography work, I've done uh, alternative printing work, cyanotype printing, mixed media, collage, painting, graphic art and design. So it so wow. sort of runs the some um, a little bit of sculpture, not so much, but you know some three dimensional work. And and so the person who was curating the show was like. How does all this go together? And and I said, if you, you if you put it together, there's a through line in it that is a kind of characteristic of the work that I do that maybe I'm the only person who can see it, but I can see how those things connect. And in my career, similarly, there's a through line that is only starting to become clear to me on this side of it, I don't. I couldn't have seen it. I used to say I have a, had a bumper car career, sort of bumped into things and like, <laughs> ooh, ooh, I wonder what that's like, and ooh, no, don't like that. Um, as a bumper car careered along, the through line has been communications and relationships, and so public relations, marketing, public policy, uh, advocacy work, fundraising, blood donor raising, all of those things are are about relationships, and so. The academic part of learning any of those fields and the you know the tactics and the language of any one of those different areas it was one piece of work. The people dynamics are identical everywhere. Yeah. Whether you're teaching a class full of eighth graders or or working um, on a board retreat for a public or private entity, it's all the same. Yeah, it really is the true foundation of all of that. Um, why do you think or feel that it, investing in children is also investing in the future of our city? So now you're going to get to the passion, the, like this is the big passion part. Big <laughs> you can one. see her eyes light up, dear yeah, listener, I mean, as you wow. are here with me. <laughs> I have been so... Um, I've been thinking about how to describe this, if there's a metaphor to describe it. I haven't come up with it yet. I'm still working on it. Because all the things that sound trite, like our, you know, children are our future and we're building the next generation, like you hear that and it it, it sort of rolls off it, it, almost meaningless because it's, it's, not quite it's everywhere. Sticky. Yeah. It's easy for adults to think that children are not engaged because they are still learning like they're not the sort of not accessories I don't mean I don't want to diminish that but it's sometimes hard for adults to take children seriously as fully formed human beings and what you might be seeing as a mom of a four-year-old is that children 
to come into their own and their things that they have that they bring with them that you, like they're not yours like they're, yes. it's their own they're their own people and nurturing and supporting them to grow into themselves to grow into the magnificent beings that they are is special work and it and it takes nurturing and education and agreement that children matter and that taking care of children is something that's in everyone's best interest including people who don't who are childless by choice or childless by circumstance or who have graduated yes. from active parenting you know that taking care of young children is something that's vitally important for everyone and and I I'll think of a couple of things that I can reference that were meaningful to me that might be meaningful to others. Uh, four or five years ago, Dr. Bruce Perry came to Memphis to to talk about trauma and the effects on the brain. And and one of the things that he said early in his talk, and he he's got you can, you can listeners could search him and his talks are on YouTube. He's very funny um, for for uh, you know a Harvard guy who <laughs> for a, someone who's also very smart neuro. Uh, <laughs> A neuro guy. He's very, very funny. And he talks about early civilization and the ratio of adults to children in early civilizations and how the adults in a community rallied to support and protect children who couldn't protect themselves physically, couldn't feed themselves because it takes a lot to support a child. Yes. <laughs> and so now, fast forward, we've got... As, as he said, volunteer teachers teach for America, you know, newly minted um, folks in a classroom with 25 or 36 and seven year olds, eight and nine year olds. And we have flipped that, that ratio in a way that's not supportive of children. And mm. so children, child safety is an adult responsibility and child safety doesn't just mean protection from immediate physical harm. Child safety means the freedom to grow into being who you are as a person when you were born as a child. So protecting children, investing in children, nurturing children, helping them become their fullest selves gives us our workforce. It gives us our entrepreneurs, our visionaries, our caretakers, our doctors, lawyers, bakers, bankers, you know, all of the things that are that are part of our modern adult society, those are in preschool rooms all over town right now. Everything that we do to help those children learn skills to grow into themselves, to communicate, to relate with other people, every minute we spend doing that is a, an investment in our future. Wow. I feel like the way that you have described that is incredibly impactful because like, while I know it to be true, hearing it like that is also like the future policymakers, the future public office holders, you know, so making sure that they not only know that two plus two is four, but also having empathy and critical thinking and relationship skills is huge. So all of that that's tied up all together. I, I, have written for uh, I've written a personal blog for about ten years and have written a lot about my mother. I feel very grateful for my growing up, my parents, and the support that I got. And my mother was 
a, a student of parenting. She learned about mothering and she, you know, she read and wanted to be, it's what she wanted to be. And she worked. Perfected her craft. She did. Yeah. Well, I don't know that anybody perfects it, but, but yes. she worked really hard to do it. And one of the things that she studied, one of the models that she studied was Eric Erickson's model of human development. And so it's just a long, Eric Erickson was a social scientist and Erickson's model of, uh, or Erickson's theory of human development is one that's widely used and known. It is the basis of our work at Kindred Place. And, and in that model, we all develop and grow in the course of our lifetimes um, through phases that are described in particular ways. And so young children have in an early, in their early stages, the need to build trust and safety and the way they build trust and safety, their impression of trust and safety is through the supportive, caring relationships around them. So when parents tend to their children's needs, when a, you know babies cry because they don't have words to say what it is they need, so they're hungry, they're tired. When toddlers are learning language and parents can parents who might be tired and frustrated and having a hard time and needing to take four deep breaths and all the things when parents can teach children to identify what it is they need. I'm hungry. I'm tired. I'm sad. I, uh, I hurt, uh, you know, when they can describe what's happening and that be received with compassion and understanding, it helps that child develop trust and safety in relating to other people. And so not leading, um, you know, when you think about adults who have a harder time trusting and building relationships that are compassionate and empathetic, it is something that we can work on with children to develop a psychological, a sense of psychological safety that people around them care about their well-being and that it's okay to trust people, that it's okay to trust another person. And that kind of nurturing in early childhood shows up in adulthood. You know, Erickson's theory is if you, if you don't get what you need at a stage of development, then you will struggle with that in the successive stages of development. So I don't want to get too nerdy, nerdy uh, in our short time together, but if anybody's curious, that's an easy one to Google and um, and learn more about, and and really simple to understand. So back to your question about why I'm passionate about children. I could go on for a long time about this one, but the shortest version is that what you invest in children today is what you will see in Memphis in 20 years. And so the things that we want in empathy, compassion, understanding, um, grit, grind, hustle, entrepreneurship, all the things that um, make Memphis what it is can thrive if we will invest in children. Wow. Okay. So follow-up question then. So when you don't get those needs met at a developmental stage and you then struggle in the subsequent stages, what is the remedy for that? Is there... So I'll go back to Bruce Perry uh, and the Child Trauma Center yeah. at, at Harvard, um, who's, who's I th- there a lot of people have done research this. He's just the one who comes to mind. One of the things he says in his talks that he's clear and careful about saying is it's never too late. So it's harder as we get older. Yeah, it's as, just you like know, learning as, a language. <laughs> it, it is. So you're, you know, your brain 
changes physiologically over time. Neural pathway development changes um, as our brains get hardwired toward our mid-20s. But it's never too late to get what you need. And so I guess I would add for anybody uh, listening who is struggling in a way with relationships with self or others um, or struggling with children or here was the one for me. I'll make this uh, personal. I remember saying to my mother, don't you understand the, you know, they're, my son is three. He's it's the most important time in his life. And she said, yeah, I think you turned out okay. So like, I think it's okay if we play in the kitchen with the pots and pans. It's all like, ch- chill out. It's fine. Because um, <laughs> I was so worked up about something that I had read. So uh, it, it is it is something that we, it's never too late to get what you need, ask for what you need and ask for help for yourself or your kids. That That's hopeful. I love that. How can Memphians or people in the Mid-South um, access Kindred Place and like utilize the services provided there? Our website has most of the information. So it's kindred-place.org. Okay. And there's a hyphen in between the two words, kindred-place.org. Or call our main number, which is 901-276-2200. Either one of those... Um, ways of contacting us will get you basic information about our offerings. So how to set up a a counseling appointment, how to sign up for a class. We are and have been working on. So, so one of our 2023 things that we are in the process of launching is content that's available evergreen content that people can use. So little snippets about parenting tips, um, relationship tips. We want to be, we want to be a resource for people who want to work on those skills and relationships. And, and sometimes that starts by just being curious enough to download something or watch a video. And that little seed is planted. That, that yeah. little seed. And, you know, some, sometimes that's all people need. They just need sort of the one unlock of that 20 minute yes. break and, uh, and everything else becomes easier. What would you say is, was the greatest accomplishment um, of the Kindred Place in 2022, either personally or professionally for you and or for the Kindred Place? Was there a goal that you just were like super proud of? So I'm going to give you the honest answer about the goal at the beginning of the year, which is going to sound, I'm just going to say it anyway, because, you know, now we're friends, so you get the real me. <laughs> I love uh, it. Our goal at the beginning of 2022 was to, to keep, surviving. I mean, yeah. the the pandemic was hard in so many ways, setting up telehealth and trying to stay connected with people and connected inside our organization with people. It was just really hard. So at the beginning of the year, we, we set the bar at, at sort of survival level, not knowing when thriving would ever come back on the horizon. Yeah. And, and the year was better than we expected in a number of ways. I think the biggest discovery, the biggest thing that I'm proud of was hearing a reflection back about somebody who had been, who had known a little bit about our work over the years, but was really confused about it and couldn't really figure out how to attach or connect and stopped me in the grocery store, truly, and said, I I just want to, 
you to know, I've been watching what's happening at Kindred Place and watching what you all are building. I, I, I watch your, you know, follow your social feeds and get your newsletter. And I really appreciate and understand what you're doing and why it matters. And I was like, awesome. It, you know, to have that unprompted was a kind of affirmation. I was telling our staff about that. You know, sometimes you just got to keep your head down keep working on something, believing that it is right and true and important and that you're passionate about and let go of having an expectation of some great thing you're going to accomplish. And right. You might get there anyway. So that's a little, I don't know that that's what you're expecting as an no, answer. No, I love it. We, um, we kept going in are starting to connect with people in different ways. You know, we've been We've been through a transformation, as all organizations do, for who we are and what we stand for and some of the work that we do with families who are affected by or who have experienced the trauma of family violence or other witness to a traumatic event is a portion of our work that will always stay true. So having that area of specialty is something that is important for Memphis to have and, and important work for us to do and meaningful work for us to do extending across the spectrum of family relationships to acknowledge that every family needs a little bit of help. It's kind of like the imagination library idea. Yeah. You know, you know when, when everybody has read Rooster Can't Cock-A-Doodle-Doo, it's a point of connection. And so that building connections across Memphis through Kindred Place for healthy relationships is our work forever. That's a, that is our forever work. So 2023, we want to keep going on the momentum we built in 2022. That was actually my next question is what's on the horizon for 2023 other than obviously da, 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 your TED talk. Yeah. You just keep dropping that I one, know. don't you? you, it, you. It, it's almost like I'm marketing it's for the event that is like in that. a couple of weeks. Shocking how it's that almost works. almost like that, yes. <laughs> 2023 for Kindred Place is a continuation. You know, so, so we turned 40 on Congratulations. Yeah. yeah, 40 seems to be another theme of today. I wasn't really expecting. We turned 40 <laughs> on October 29th, uh, 2022. And much of the last six years, seven years now, has been getting back to our roots of working with parents and parenting and family relationships, healthy relationships. And the other through line, you think I'm changing the subject, but I'm not. The other <laughs> connected through line that you asked about in my career is taking something complex and trying to find the simplicity in it. And so the, the way I describe that, when people ask me, what's my, what's my superpower? My superpower is to help people find signal in the noise. So, so, what's the, so what's the thing that is the nugget in there? And the nugget in Kindred Place is that through line of healthy family relationships. So in 2023, we got to stay true to that thing. That nugget has got to be the guiding signal. Going. Yeah, keep that guiding signal because, you know, when you have a, a strong guiding signal like that, this then it's clear for everybody what you do and people know how to respond. What is some of the ways that um, the average Memphian can get involved in some of the work that you're doing at Kindred Place? Are there volunteer opportunities or mentorship opportunities or just ways to interact with you? The, uh, the most... I guess um, most, not most, 
The easiest way to connect with us is to subscribe to our newsletter and get tips about healthy relationships and parenting and spread the word that we're here. That's the easiest way that people can connect and support our work so that more people know that we are available as a resource. And one of the things that I will say quickly about our therapy team, this has been intentional to to build a therapy team that looks as much like Memphis as possible. I think there's been a a history, not I think, there has been a history uh, in Memphis of social service organizations, um, family family focused organizations, sometimes not having a match that looks like Memphis. And that is a racial match in particular, but in other um, ways that, people identify themselves, having a connection with somebody who you feel like understands you is really, really important. It is not always um, a requirement, but having that choice to find somebody who's who you want, it matters. And so we've been working at Kindred Place to have diversity in every way on our clinical team. And where we don't have um, what might be a right match if somebody calls us to have a, refer- a strong referral base. So if we're not the fit for you, we will work to send you, connect you with somebody else. So connecting with our newsletter gives folks us as a starting place, even if we are not the ending place with support of that long monologue. No, yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah, so so connect with us would be the number one way. We are a, a, a not-for-profit. We have income-based financial income-based financial assistance for clients. We want to be available for every family, every person who wants to do help, whether they have insurance, don't have insurance, whatever their economic circumstances. And so we have clients across the economic spectrum, folks who are currently under or unemployed and folks who are um, well-resourced alike, all coming to our building. Our ability to do that does depend on philanthropic support. So that's the second way. Yes. In terms of hands-on volunteers, we do have some events. We have some um, events that we love to have volunteers for, and that volunteer sign-up form is also on our website. Yay, awesome. Okay, one question that we ask all of our guests is, what does being a Memphian mean to you? Memphis is a city with an authentic soul. This is the it is the capital of the real world. It's the most real place. I mean, I have been I haven't been everywhere, but I've been a lot of places uh, in the country and around the world. And what's true in Memphis is true. It's not a made up place. And so, to be a Memphian to me is to be your truest self for everybody. And uh, you know, I think any city that has the range of personalities and uh, luminaries that we have, it sort of speaks for itself. This is a place where you not only can come and be who you already are, it's a place where when you do that, it you get a response around you that is enriching of the whole community. So being a Memphian means being your truest, genuine self. Love it. Um You've hit on it several times throughout our conversation today, but how does the work at Kindred Place help develop, activate, and or retain talent to the city of Memphis, in your opinion? Well, I'll say again, because I'm passionate about it, I think our work is some of, I believe, some of the most important work for for Memphis because it's based on relationships. And so 
everything connects to our ability to connect with other people and to, to live on, um, to thrive within our being wired for connection. And so Memphis helps people thrive at home, at work, in the neighborhoods, in the community, as individuals and family members and community members. And last but certainly not least, would you like to give our dear listeners a little tease of your TED Talk that's coming in a couple of weeks? What are are you excited? Uh, I am so excited. Uh, the title is "How Art Might Save the World," and the oh. teaser. I mean, I'm an art teacher with an yes. art degree, so I've done a f- other things that, but art is the fiber of my being. Is is in. Um, art and what that means for me is the ability to see and feel the world in an innumerable uh, array of shades of gray not just black and white and so art to me is a way to expand enrich and strengthen enjoyment of the world around us. Ooh, I'm excited. I'm How's very that, excited. So a teaser? Yes, I remember, yeah. that's very good. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm teased. So yes. I can't wait. It's really, um, it, it is, you know, you've hit on all my passions today. So Yay. imagination, library, well, children, families, work at Kindred Place, art, and, uh, and I, and, um, I think TED Talks stand the test of time as a, as a fun, enjoyable way to bring ideas together. So I'm thrilled. We would agree. And it's interesting too. I'm, I'm really intrigued now because I, in the past few years specifically, have really leaned into that like life is lived in the gray areas. Mm-hmm. Hardly anything it feels like is black or white. It's generally all in my life, a, a shade of gray. So yeah. um, I'm interested to see what that looks like in your talk. So I'm very excited. I can't wait for us to be together then. I know, counting down. So now it is time for one of the fun parts of the episode where we have a lightning round. Mm. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. So favorite way to decompress or refuel? Walk. Oh, okay. A uh, song that's stuck in your head? Like right now? Yeah. Uh, I have no song in my head. Uh, 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 pass. Pass. Okay. Um, your favorite children's book? Velveteen Rabbit. Oh. Favorite thing to paint? Do you paint? Is that mixed media? I, yes. I do paint. Uh, my favorite thing to paint is doodle painting. I love to just paint with no, like, just... Just doodle. Doodle. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Uh Favorite way to get plugged in in Memphis? Read, follow the I Love Memphis blog. Yes. Yeah. We would agree. Friends of us, oh, yeah. friends of ours yeah. over at awesome. Memphis Tourism. I thought you were going to say the Kidred Place newsletter, which is also another great way well, to I get mean, plugged sure, in. Well, I mean, sure, of yes. course. Well, yeah, that's probably what I should have, if I were on brand, that's what I should have said, no. right? Um, and then what is one reason that our listeners should attend TEDx Memphis 2023? I can't think of any reason they wouldn't attend a TEDx <laughs> Memphis because I, new ideas is part of what it, it, imaginative ideas is what it is to be alive. I love it. 
Um, is there anything that we did not touch on that you were hoping to share with our listening audience today, Jennifer? Oh, gosh, I could talk to you all day about all kinds of things, but uh, this was really enjoyable. Thank you for a great conversation about things that matter to me that I hope matter. Um, I hope will matter to your listeners. I think that they do. They certainly matter to me. This has been wonderful and very helpful. And I'm definitely going to take my deep breaths and my 20 minutes and um, continue to look out for that evergreen content that I'm sure will assist me in all of my relationship needs. And if we can ever be of direct service to you, our doors are open to every family that needs a little help. And that's pretty much everybody. Yes, true. Very true. Um, Well, awesome. Thank you so much for stopping by today. Thank you for having me. Bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Jennifer Balink, Executive Director at The Kindred Place. She has certainly given me some um, helpful tips and tricks to decompress and make sure that I'm taking my three deep breaths, taking my 20-minute walk, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm very excited to hear more from her um, on February 11th. A few end of show announcements, dear listener, is that it is nomination season. So we welcome any nominations for our leadership development programs. This includes LDI, Fellows, Embark, Accelerate, and Stride. You can head over to newmemphis.org to learn more about any of these programs. And to also learn more about them, you can follow along with us on social media at The New Memphis. Again, that's at The New Memphis. I would also be remiss if I did not share with you that we are also a local nonprofit, as is Kindred Place, who is completely fueled by the generosity of others and powered by the individuals and community in our city. So uh, you can find our giant red donate button at newmemphis.org. And there is no gift too small and there is no gift too large either, dear listener. So until next week, bye. This week's episode is made possible by our friends at Independent Bank. You can learn more about them at i-bankonline.com.